0: First Corinthians chapter 13, looking at verses six and seven this morning, how appropriate it is, I think, to finish our series on love, a portrait. We've been looking at a portrait of love on Mother's Day. To many of us, mom is as close a picture as you can get to this agape love. Um, Let me give you some word pictures of the love of a mother. If you're a mom, you count the number of sprinkles on each kid's cupcake to make sure they are equal. If you're a mom, you've mastered the art of placing food on a plate without anything touching. You have time to shave only one leg at a time. Your child throws up and you catch it. Someone else's kid throws up at a party and you keep eating. Your child insists that you read Once Upon a Potty out loud in the lobby of the doctor's office, and you do it. (laughs) And finally, you are a mom if you fast forward through the scenes when the hunter shoots Bambi's mother. We've been looking at love, a portrait. We've been talking actually about a sculpture. We've been saying that we are the work of art that God wants to make. He sees Jesus in us. And we've been going through these verses in chapter 13. Whenever we see a quality that's described here that doesn't look like Jesus, we take a hammer and a chisel, if you will, and I say, chink, chink, and you guys say, that's not agape. When we see something that is not agape love, we have been giving God, our sculpture, permission to take that away from us saying, Lord, that quality in me is not agape love. Lord, please, chip it away. Now, once again, we need to make sure you guys understand what what kind of love we're talking about. There were four different Greek words in in the ancient days for love. We're not talking about storge. Here's a picture of storge. It's family love. We're not talking about phileo. That's brotherly love. There's one. Here's another one. It's not limited to just men, though. That's at the bracelet thing. And lastly, there you go. Those are pictures of storge phileo love. Now, it's also not eros. You guys are bombarded with pictures of eros. You probably don't even need to see a picture of eros. That's physical love, though. That's when you're just, well, you're physically attracted to someone. Now, what's up with that? Why are you laughing? Okay, you can get rid of it now. <laughs> we're not talking about storge. We're not talking about phileo. We're not talking about eros love. We are talking about agape love. That is self-sacrificing love. The kind of love that gives and expects nothing in return. A very small example. Today, uh, At the uh, we were just... Outside, looking at the frames, and someone said, "Where can I give my dollar for the frame?" It's like, "Well, no, we did this as a gift. We're not expecting anything in return. That is a very small example of agape love. That is love that gives without expecting anything in return. That is an amazing agape love that can love even the unlovable. So you guys want to get started? Well let's pick up where we left off. Remember, when we see something that is not agape, I say "Chink chink and you say." All right, let's start. Verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 says, Agape love, that's the kind of love we're talking about, agape love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. The word rejoice there. It's two different words where it says rejoice and then rejoice, but it's the same root word. On The, the second where it says rejoice there is subchairo, and the first is "kairo," C-H-A-I-R-O. So the word Cairo actually means to rejoice, to be glad, to be happy. And also, by the way, it was a salutation, a greeting that you would give to somebody as you saw them on the street or as you wrote them in a letter. So you could say that this word Cairo is a happy, rejoicing, a joyful greeting. Think of two good friends, two guys meet each other on the basketball court. Right, They're giving each other high fives. It's like, what is up? It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. They give that manly hug, you know, just that kind of thing. So you go, if you're a guy, how many people, how many guys have been to a pickup basketball game? Okay, just a couple. Um, you go to a pickup game and there's, there's going to be some people that you've never met. And what you say, hey, it's good to meet you. There's going to be others who are mere acquaintances and you'll be like, Hey, man, what's up? Give him just a head nod. Then there's others that you rejoice to see. They they know the the secret handshake, the hug, all that stuff. That is the word here, kairo, to rejoice, to greet with great joy. So you could read verse 6 this way. Agape love does not greet joyously, does not welcome iniquity. But it greets joyously. It welcomes the truth. Now, the New International Version puts it this way. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. So, humor my imagination here. Let's personify these two. Iniquity and truth. Let's say iniquity and truth walked into church here this morning. And after the first song, you know when we greet each other? When we shake each other's hands? Iniquity and truth are standing there looking for somebody to greet. Based on who you tend to hang out with, which one of them makes a beeline to you? Which one says, what's up? It's good to see you again. Which one knows your secret handshake? Which one gives you that that hug? Would iniquity embarrass you this morning by being too familiar? Would he be like, dude... Did we blow it out this week or what? You're like, shh, I'm in church. Based upon who you hung out with lately, based upon whom you welcomed into your life, based upon whom brought you happiness this week, which one would greet you, iniquity or truth? Well, hopefully, some of you are saying, well, don't be ridiculous. That's easy. I mean, I'm a Christian. Of course I don't rejoice in iniquity. Of course I rejoice in the truth. Well, is there any iniquity going on in the shows that you watch on TV? There's a safe bet, I think, myself included, that some of us have an appointment sometimes with our buddy, Iniquity, every week at the same time and channel. Maybe you're setting aside an hour or two every week to welcome iniquity into your home, into your living room because, well, he makes you happy. Now I know what you're thinking. Not me. I don't have a weekly appointment with iniquity. I do not meet every week at a certain hour to let iniquity into my home. I have TiVo. (laughs) Well, that just means you have iniquity on retainer. If you greet iniquity into your life, chink, chink, it's not agape. Or maybe, maybe you tend to greet your buddy iniquity on the big screen or maybe in the pages of a book or a tabloid magazine or on the web. Chink, chink. Now, maybe you're thinking at this point, what in the world does this have to do with Agape love. I mean, I thought this was about loving your brother. I mean, what does what I welcome into my living room or what I watch or what I listen to have to do with agape love? I would say everything. Jesus said, Luke chapter six, verse forty five. You don't have to turn there. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, what he's saying here, there is that treasure, the, the thing that you treasure, the thing that you welcome, goes into your heart, and it eventually will come out of your mouth. All the times over the last few weeks, while we've raised our hand and said, you know what, I blow it, I lost it, I, I blew it when I was driving. That's because we, of the things that we've put into our heart. Let me put it this way. If I listen to certain songs filled with vile lyrics, if I listen to songs that degrade cops and women, am I just magically going to be respectful of cops and women? If I spend hours on end at a video game where I'm killing people, sacrificing others that I might win, when I'm done, will I be a wellspring of love? and self-sacrifice? I spoke this week, actually, to a couple whose son is going to war. We prayed because they were concerned that their son's heart would be hardened by the ravages of war. We prayed for him that his heart would remain sensitive. And since then, as I'm going through the lesson this week, it occurs to me that some of us are voluntarily hardening ourselves by what we watch, by what we listen to. Here's a man that's going to the ravages of war, and we're praying that he will be sensitive, but some of us voluntarily are hardening our own hearts. My question is, could it be the reason that agape love does not come out of us is because of what we put into our lives? In case you're not convicted yet, here's a few more. Maybe it's for you, it's, it's none of these things. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's iniquity that someone else's life. I mean, do you really enjoy a good piece of juicy gossip? Would it say something? Would you say something like this? Now, listen. You didn't hear this from me, but you'll never believe the iniquity that so and so fell into. Does that give you a guilty pleasure? Chink, chink. It's not agape. If you rejoice in iniquity, if you enjoy reading about it, hearing about it, seeing it, thinking about it. Spreading it around, chink chink. It's not agape. Now, the New Living Translation translates this verse a little differently. It reads this way. Verse six in the New Living Translation says, "It does not re- uh, love love agape love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out." Those are pretty different translations. But let's let's explore that one for a bit. None of us, I don't think rejoice about injustice when it happens to us. But what about when it happens to another? I went to college. The name of the college now is Truman State University. It used to be uh, Northeast Missouri State University. And I went to the library one day and the library has this window that looks out over this brick courtyard um, that leads to the student union building. One afternoon there had been a big ice storm. And there were patches of ice all over that courtyard. And I remember being in that library and hearing students giggling. I went to check it out, and they were laughing at people falling on the ice. Chink, chink. It wasn't right. So I left after the tenth one. What is it about us that likes to laugh at the misfortune of others? You've heard the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe it should be, why is it so funny when bad things happen to good people? Chink, chink. Now, this actually may be a better translation. I think, obviously, both, both are true. But the Corinthians, if you remember, were suing each other. Chapter 6, I believe. They were busy suing each other, um, trying to get their rights from each other. They were, some people were wronging Uh, Their their brother and instead of the brother saying hey, let's take this to the church. Let's let them be the arbitrator They were actually taking it to the secular courts They were suing each other so I could totally see this verse applying to this scenario one brother sues another brother both brothers Have their supporters, right? So in essence the church is divided split Everyone's got to take sides the guy who is in the wrong hires the better lawyer and he wins So half of the church then is rejoicing in iniquity. It it sounds an awful lot like inequity. They're not concerned about justice. They were only concerned about winning. Not concerned about justice, only concerned about winning. Chink, chink. So let me ask you, in case you haven't been covered yet, in your business transactions, have you ever boasted, oh man, we totally took that guy to the cleaners. Man, what a rube. We, we just wasted him in the business field. Believe it or not, chink, chink. Now, God wants to give you a good value. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do your best to uh, bring the, the level of, of profit for your company to where you can. But to, to say, what a rube, to think we really took that guy to the cleaners, I don't know. Verse 6, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices In the truth. Now, verse 7, we come to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great preacher, called Love's Four Horsemen. Read it with me. Verse 7 Agape love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You see any words repeated there? All things. In the original language, you know what that means? All things. See, that's the hard part. That means in all circumstances, under every pressure, in the face of every injury, agape love endures. And once again, we are reminded that this agape love is supernatural. I mean, I can do some of these things, some of the time. But when you put in the word all things, all times, agape love is supernatural. But notice something else. Verse 7. We have gone from the negative... To the positive. We've been spending a lot of time saying what agape love isn't. Here we come back to what agape love is. Well, that makes sense. As you get closer to the end of a sculpture, well, you, you spend less and less time taking away, chipping away, and you begin to see more and more what is left. You really begin to see what the thing it that is that you are trying to make looks like. So, as we go through these, this last verse, we'll still do some of the chink-chink, Oh, you guys are getting slack. We'll still do some of the chink, chink. Oh, that's much better. But we're going to add a new one as we come to the end here and we begin to see what it looks like. I'll say, well, look at that. And you'll say, that's agape. You need to practice, don't you? Well, look at that. Perfect. All right. Verse seven, agape love bears all things. Bears all things. That word bears is the word stego. It means to cover, to thatch. It's talking about a roof. It means to, listen to this, to protect or keep by covering, to preserve, to cover over with silence, to keep secret, to hide, to conceal of the errors and faults of others. By covering, to keep off something which threatens to bear up against, hold out against, and so endure, bear, forbear. Agape love covers all things, is what you could say. When it says bears all things, he's saying covers all things. Now, safe to say we are really good at covering our own sin when the Bible says to confess it. And we're really good at confessing the sins of others when the Bible here says to cover it. You guys remember the story of Noah after the flood? That one time when he really blew it? He got drunk. One of his sons, Ham, saw him drunk, laying there, laid out, naked, drunk as a skunk. And instead of covering his father, he let him sleep it off. And then, well, instead of, instead of covering his, his father, letting him sleep it off, and confronting him in a lovingly way, he said to his other brothers, hey, check this out. Dad's drunk. Come here. You've got to see this. He's naked. Check this out. Come see. Chink, chink. That's not agape. Genesis chapter 9, verse 23. Don't, you don't have to turn there. But Shem and Japheth, those were his brothers, the two guys he called over, took a garment, laid it on both of their shoulders, and went backward so they didn't see, and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. Well, look at that. That's agape. Proverbs 10, verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. What about you? When someone blows it, do you want everyone to know? Or let's raise the stakes. What about when they blow it against you? I mean, when someone really mistreats you, Do you want everyone to know what a jerk he is or she is? Chink, chink. Husbands, do you complain to your buddies at work about the way your wife treats you? Chink, chink. Wives, do your girlfriends know all about your husband's foibles? Chink, chink. Employees, when you've been wronged, Do you cover that offense? Or do you do everything in your power to see if the newspapers will cover that event? (laughs) If you will cover another's sins rather than expose them, they will say, Well, look at that. You guys want to see a picture? You got to wait. There's one coming, but it'll come later. Now, let's move on. Verse 7 also says, agape love believes all things. The word there is uh, for believes is pisteo. In this context, it means to place confidence in. To place your confidence in. Now, again, we're getting to the end of this list. There's not much to chip away. We're beginning to see what love actually looks like. Or maybe we should say on this one, this is what love sounds like. This is what love sounds like, agape love. And here it is. I believe in you. You can do it. Moms, on this Mother's Day, I hope your kids hear that from you. I believe in you. You can do it. Dads, on this Mother's Day, I hope your wives hear that from you. When was the last time you said or I said, you can do it? I know you can. I believe in you. And here's where it really becomes agape. It says love believes all things. So you understand what that's saying? That's saying, look, you can do it this time, even though you failed so many times before. Now, I've talked about this before, and it it amazes me. Of course, we're Christians. Because we're Christians, it's, it's understood we believe in God, right? You know what's amazing to me? Is that actually, in another sense, God believes in me. God believes in you. What I mean is, it never ceases to amaze me how much God trusts me. He gives me chance after chance, many of which I blow, but some of which I succeed. It amazes me that he trusts me with so much. Here's the point. Maybe there's someone in your life, your life today, who's failed you time and time again. And they need to see the picture of agape love in the form of unearned trust. Now understand, I'm not asking you to trust someone who is physically abusive to you or to your kids. That would be foolish. That would be wrong. God never tells us to suspend our common sense. But there might be someone in this room in a situation where God has been whispering to you, you know what, you need to give that person another chance. If that's the case today, He's come out and said it because he said, agape love believes all things. If you will say to that person that you're thinking of, the person who's failed you over and over again, if you will say to them, look, you can do it. I believe in you. Even though they failed, they will say, well, look at that. That's agape. There you go. Agape love believes all things. You want to see a picture? Got to wait. Look at the next one, verse 7. Agape love hopes all things. Now, that's really different than what it looks like at first glance. When you read that at first, you think, like, we use the word hope as in, I hope I get an A, or I hope I get that promotion, or I hope I get that raise. We use it to describe something of future things that we want to happen. But the New Testament uses this word hope to define or describe future things that will happen. They use the word hope concerning our salvation. I have a certain hope. It's not like I'm hoping that I'm going to go to heaven. I know that this will happen in the future. It's a settled fact. It just hasn't happened yet. The word there is el piso. It means to wait with joy and full confidence. To being like, this is a done deal. I'm, I'm waiting with joy and full confidence. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to see these four horsemen that Spurgeon talked about, he would say, look, when one, doesn't, when one comes back and hasn't finished the job, you send out the next horseman. Put it this way, back at the beginning of this verse. When someone fails you, agape love covers that failure. When next agape love says to that same person that's failed you, look, I believe in you. You can do this. When they fail you again, agape love just waits with joy. And full confidence. And it says, you know what? I still believe in you. You can still do it. We know, the Bible says that God is love. God sees the end from the beginning. That means agape love sees the end from the beginning. Agape love sees the full potential in an utter failure. And with joy and full confidence in the midst of the failure says, get up. Do it again. You can do it. You hear what I'm saying? Agape love sees the winner that's hidden in losers' clothing. Agape love sees the talent in people that they don't even see in themselves. Do you do that? Sometimes? Do you see someone and you're like, there's potential there. If you do, well, look at that. That's agape love. You want to see a picture? Got to wait. We're almost there. Verse 7, agape love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and now it says, endures all things. Now, this perhaps might be the most beautiful part of the sculpture. Agape love endures. The word is hupomeno. It literally means to remain under. To remain under. It means to tarry behind, to abide, to not flee, to not run, run away means to preserve under misfortunes and trials to hold fast. It means to endure bravely, bear bravely and calmly ill treatments. In other words, agape love remains. It remains under. You put it this way. Agape love remains under the circumstances. Agape love remains even under fire. Friendly fire. Enemy fire. Agape love is two soldiers in a foxhole. One was foolish, exposes their position, and he gets himself paralyzed. Agape love is the other soldier saying, I will not leave you. Agape love is under every circumstance, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Those are words Jesus spoke to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Husbands, wives, parents, bosses, friends. Who in your life needs to hear those words from you today? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, even if they know, hopefully there are marriages here that are really strong. Your your wives, your husbands know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even if they know it's a great thing to hear. And when they hear it, they'll say, well, look at that. That's agape love. It occurred to me too, maybe you're a mom here who is raising your kids alone. Whether physically or your your husband is checked out. Maybe you are raising your kids alone because someone broke a promise like that to you. I feel like I'm supposed to say, if you're a Christian, you need to hear these words from your bridegroom, Jesus. Once again, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you're not a Christian, if there's anyone in the room this morning who is not a Christian, listen to those words. Jesus said to anyone who will receive him, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's because love covers all failures. Love believes all things. Love hopes in all circumstances. And because it endures all things, that's why it can say at the beginning of verse 8, we're just going to touch it here. Love never fails. Agape love is that powerful. The word uh, fails there means to fall powerless, to fall to the ground, to be without effect. In other words, and the word never there, love never fails. The word is, well, I won't even try to pronounce the Greek, but it is this, not even once. Agape love never fails, not even once. Think about what that means. In all of the history of the world, agape love has never failed, even once. Once. It's a pretty good strategy. Now, if you had a strategy for living that would never fail even once, wouldn't you want to use it? Agape love is that strategy. It's never failed in all the course of history. Now, there were three days where it looked like maybe it had failed. But you know the rest of the story. The grave could not hold Jesus because of his agape love. Satan threw his best at it. Could not stop. Agape love. Let's back up. Verse 6. Agape love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Agape love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And that's why love never fails. Want to see a picture? Okay, finally. Here you go. Turn to John 8. I'll show you a picture of all these things. John chapter 8. We will see a picture of these things. John chapter 8, verse 2. Now, early in the morning, he, that is Jesus, our hero, our king, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. There's Jesus rejoicing in the truth. He's teaching them the Bible, the truth. Look at verse three. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery when they had set her in the midst. Now, she's probably naked or nearly so because she's caught in the very act of. Verse four, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us such that we should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. See, the Pharisees are rejoicing in this woman's iniquity. She's caught in the act, caught red handed. She's breaking God's laws. They're not mourning her sin. They are rejoicing. They are saying, yes, finally, now we can trap Jesus. Awesome. We've got a perfect trap. We know that he's compassionate, but the law says that she should be stoned. Finally, we have it. They are rejoicing in iniquity. They've set her in the midst of everyone. So it also tells us not only are they rejoicing in her iniquity, but they are rejoicing in the inequity of the situation. For instance, where's the man who was caught? Last time I checked, it took two to commit adultery. These guys are rejoicing in the evil that has been done, even in the midst of the inequity of it. Agape love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And look at Jesus' reaction. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, what was he writing? We could spend a whole sermon on this. We don't really know, but whatever it was, it's pretty clear he was taking the focus off of this woman. Everybody's like, what's he writing over there? And it says that he acted as though he did not hear the accusations. Didn't even hear it. And when they pressed him, they said, look, are you going to answer us or what? He got them to focus on Their own sin. And then it says he went back to not hearing the accusations against her. Love bears all things. In other words, love covers a multitude of sins. Well, look. That's agape. Verse 9 of chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 9 says, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst... When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Notice how the scene ends. He says to her, go and sin no more. To a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, who maybe had had actually a habit of this. Of looking for love in all the wrong places. Jesus essentially said, Go and send no more. You can do this. I believe in you. You can do it. Well, look at that. That's agape. And she's probably thinking, when he says, Go go and send no more, she's like, Are you sure? Lord, I mean I mean, do you know my history? I mean, Lord, what if I blow it again? Well, love. Agape love waits with joy, with full confidence. Even if you fail, it says, I believe in you. I love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Jesus says to her, you will not fail. Ultimately, you will succeed. Well, look at that. And lastly, notice Jesus said, you, you go. Notice he didn't say, "Okay, I'm going now. You be good. I see a picture there. It's like if you're you're painting the scene, if you're, you're watching the play, she's the one who leaves the frame. Jesus remains. To me, he's saying without words, look, you may leave me. You may forsake me. You may blow it. But I will never, no, never leave you. I will not forsake you. You understand that? Jesus says that to you today. You may leave me, you may forsake me. I believe in you. You can do it. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Well, look at that.